Welcome to the Choate Family Office podcast series. On this show, we explore important topics related to wealth management, investing, and managing risk across generations. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast as we talk about ESG. My name is Allison Savizero. I am a portfolio manager and head of private equity investing at Choate Investment Advisors. I am joined today by my colleague, Erin Kerr. Erin is a portfolio manager and chief compliance officer for Choate IA, and she is extremely knowledgeable on the topic of ESG. This is an area of investing that has seen increased interest over the past decade. So today, we hope to define some of the language, give an overview of what is ESG, and debunk some of the myths we often hear. To get started, Erin, can you first tell us what does ESG stand for? Thanks, Allison. The letters ESG stand for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and they reflect an approach to evaluating companies that's based on criteria in these areas, in addition to traditional fundamental analysis. And the goal is to really prioritize long-term performance. So by tracking and measuring additional non-financial information, ESG investors hope to use a data-centric approach to identify possible risks or opportunities for a particular investment. For example, how is a company preparing for more frequent severe weather events or cyber attacks, which aren't typically captured in a balance sheet or income statement? We also often hear the word sustainability used. Is that the same thing as ESG? Yeah, so there are a number of terms that overlap with ESG and share similarities, but also have pretty distinct differences. Sustainability in investing is a broad term that refers to any approach to investing that centers on practices that are aligned with a more sustainable future, but there's a lot of room for interpretation underneath that. So ESG investing is often captured under this broader sustainability umbrella, but not all sustainable approaches are considered ESG, if that makes sense. So sustainable investing may or may not prioritize financial returns and also encompasses things like socially responsible investing, climate investing, impact investing, and ethical or values-based investing, among others. So what if I were to say I want to invest according to my values, like avoiding weapons or tobacco or gambling? Is that the same as ESG investing? That's another great question. And while those two are often interconnected and have similar origins, they've grown into very distinct approaches. Values-based investing or socially responsible investing, as you've described, really looks to align portfolios based on an investor's social or ethical values and typically focuses on avoiding companies that derive revenue from the offensive lines of business like tobacco or firearms. Gambling and alcohol are also common exclusions in these approaches. The primary motive for in-values investors may or may not be performance, but it's really driven by a desire to avoid contribution to companies viewed as having a negative environmental or societal impact. In contrast, ESG investing is really data-driven and focuses on performance-linked factors. That is, ESG data alone won't tell you if a company is good or bad in a moral sense, but rather whether the company is effectively managing possible environmental, social, or governance risks that could impact their ability to, to succeed in the future. Okay, then. It sounds like ESG investing also is not the same as climate investing. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So again, these are related, but not equivalent. 
climate investing generally has a greater emphasis on the E environmental component of ESG and maybe less concerned with the S and G when making investment decisions. For example, a company whose greenhouse gas emissions pose a significant and financially material risk to their operations will have this reflected in their ESG ratings. Climate investing could also focus more on the opportunity side, and climate investors may seek out companies specifically that are creating solutions to climate issues rather than companies who are deemed to be effectively managing their climate risks alone. So we've discussed so far, we have sustainability, which is the higher umbrella term that encompasses socially responsible investing and ESG where socially responsible investing is a values-based approach versus ESG, which considers risk factors that can impact the long-term value of an investment. With all that said, Erin, how would you describe the three buckets of ESG? Yes, so environmental, the E, factors refer to a company's impact on the environment, such as its emissions or use of natural resources like water, um, this is often sort of the easiest conceptually to understand, and it has some of the most standardized data to compare. For example, carbon footprinting has become pretty universal. The S or social factors can include a company's relationships with its employees, its customers, and its broader communities, um, and also sort of its impact on society as a whole. This can also include things like data security, cybersecurity, and the impacts of automation. Finally, the G or governance factors are really tied to a company's management structure, their board composition and executive compensation. And are these ESG factors applied the same to each company? That's a great question. No, these buckets are not going to be weighted equally for all companies. The risks of an oil company will be very different than the risks of a technology or healthcare company. So typically, specific ESG criteria and weights are tailored to each industry in an effort to capture the relevant risks appropriately. That's interesting. So we've established three terms that fall under the sustainability umbrella. We have socially responsible investing, ESG, and impact investing. So while we're on the topic of definitions, Erin, we often also hear the term greenwashing. What is that? Yeah, so broadly speaking, greenwashing is a term that applies when a company or business markets or presents itself as being environmentally friendly or ESG focused, but either isn't actually very environmentally friendly or ESG focused or is unable to actually demonstrate any data to back up that claim. So for consumers, it can be hard to identify products or services that are genuine and there's no real third parties yet attesting to so what it makes something sustainable or ESG. That reminds me of terms like light foods or organic foods before the USDA had certifications. Exactly. And similar to how regulators eventually stepped in there, this is starting to change in the sustainable investing space. The SEC is now examining investors and asset managers to evaluate whether they are accurately disclosing their ESG investment approaches. And funds can no longer call themselves sustainable or ESG and have that in their name if they don't actually have the practices and policies to match. So again, this is being done to protect investors from possibly misleading or false claims. That's a good point. Let's turn to the topic of investment process. How does an investor implement ESG into their investment process? And is ESG investing just about avoiding certain companies and excluding them from the portfolio? 
So while exclusion is an approach to using ESG data, and that has been a popular approach in the past, it is far from the most common today. And the area that's actually gaining the most traction is what's called integration. And that's where ESG investors are looking at the bulk of data that's out there on a company and then looking at the company through a few different ESG lenses. The first is going to be how does a company perform in the areas that are material or again, financially relevant for that company? As we mentioned before, an energy company may have you know great diversity practices but that likely isn't as tied directly to their future performance as the risk of regulations around oil markets. The second is how does that company performance compare to intra-industry peers? As we said, each company and industry is sort of their weights are tailored specific to their industry. So ESG data isn't particularly helpful in comparing companies in different sectors because of how different the risks are, but it can be really helpful in looking at how companies in the same industry are doing relative to each other across these different risks and who is managing them perhaps better. And the third area is how is that changing over time? So often the best opportunities for investors are in not necessarily in the established leaders, but are in those with the most potential for improvement. And in terms of how that's integrated, that really varies as much as investment philosophies vary. Individual investors and managers will use the answers to these questions in different ways to inform how they want to invest their portfolio and whether they want to own an individual company and in what weight relative to other companies in their portfolio. That all makes sense. But will an ESG portfolio perform better than a non-ESG portfolio? So again, performance depends on a multitude of factors and investors who consider ESG data can use this information in a variety of ways. There have been numerous studies that suggest companies with strong ESG characteristics benefit over time. And when combined with robust fundamental analysis, we think ESG information should be additive for long-term investors, but this is not guaranteed. ESG data does not replace sound fundamental analysis and portfolio construction, and ESG information can be used in parallel with poor investment management practices as well as good. That is, you can be a bad ESG manager as well as a good ESG manager, and we think thorough due diligence is still required. Okay, so ESG alone won't guarantee outperformance, but what if I want to have impact with my investments? Is ESG investing the answer? Yeah, so this is another confusing area. If we think of impact as showing that if not for this investment, this measured outcome would not have occurred, then ESG investing on its own really isn't designed for delivering impact, particularly for large public companies. ESG data is primarily focusing on capturing the impact of a changing environment or social regulatory risks on companies and how well the companies are managing that versus the other way around. However, One activity that's frequently connected with ESG investing is shareholder activism and engagement, uh, where investors can coordinate their efforts and use things like their proxy votes to help enact change within a company. So a notable example of this was when the investor group at Engine Number 1 led an effort to introduce independent board members at Exxon. And that was a really surprising victory that demonstrates the power that motivated stock owners can wield in public market decisions. For other investors, impact is really the priority above financial performance, and they may choose to invest in a more targeted or focused manner while accepting the possibility of lower returns. And in these cases, ESG information may be used, but the goal for the investor has moved beyond just sort of that risk and financial materiality. 
Erin, on your point about a more targeted approach, I see that a lot in the private equity space. Over the past several years, there has been an increase in private equity funds raising capital to address specific impact-focused initiatives. For example, there's large buyout funds that invest in large-scale alternative energy projects, such as solar or wind farms. Um, I've also seen an increase in venture capital funds raising capital to target clean technology startups. So for some clients, part of the solution might also be through the use of private impact-focused investments where it's easier to demonstrate additionality or the concept that if not for this investment, the measured outcome would likely not have occurred, thereby creating impact. So Erin, thank you for walking us through these topics today. I hope we've cleared up some confusion and, and maybe debunked some myths. We've discussed a lot of what ESG isn't. Maybe to wrap up, how should we think about what ESG is? So I think ESG is best used as an informative tool in conjunction with all the other analysis we conduct on behalf of our clients. We view ESG data as additional information that helps us consider financially relevant risks and how management is viewing and reacting to these risks and possible opportunities. While ESG by itself may not guarantee outperformance or incentivize all companies to improve, we do think that companies who track and report on these key issues are better prepared to address key risks and are better positioned for long-term sustainability that aligns with the investment horizons of our clients. That also highlights our belief that it's important for all investors to define their own investment goals, whether it be ESG-focused, values-focused, impact, or something else and then determine how to measure and be prepared to adapt over time in this rapidly evolving area. And to our clients, your Choate team is here to review these objectives with you and looks forward to continuing the conversation. Erin, thank you so much for spending time with us all today, defining some of the language and giving us an overview of what ESG is and isn't. Thanks, Allison. The information provided in this recording is for informational purposes only. While Choate Investment Advisors makes every attempt to present accurate information, the information in this recording may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances and it may become outdated over time. The views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions only and should not be construed as financial advice for your given situation. Moreover, the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily endorsed by Choate Investment Advisors, and Choate Investment Advisors may decide to select investments on a different basis at any time without prior notice. Finally, as everyone should know, past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. <laughs>